Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who hides Easter eggs that you never want to find? The Dust Bunny. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who gives me street cred. The weirder alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And we also have uh, Charlie and Lindsay Killmaster, real scientists. In the studio, we'll be talking to them in a minute. Hello, Charlie and Lindsay. Thanks for having us. Hello. This is a show for people who had never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Or, I was going to put Charlie on the spot. I decided not to do it. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a, cha- with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, uh, pharmacist, um, state deer inspector, I guess, uh, microbiologist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right. Very good. Yeah. Usually, Charlie, I'm, I'm a, a real asshole, and I'll uh, give out the number and then uh, make you do the poo head. Nobody ever knows what the hell I'm talking about. Now, you listen to the show, so you yeah, might have, I know exactly you, what you you're talking about. You might have done about. it. Damn it. I should have done it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I remember the other one, too. Sorry. Oh, really? 22? Penis. Very good. Okay. I'll give you one of these. Uh-oh. Oh, well. I'm 
Okay, wait a minute. I think you deserve a full effect. Give yourself a bill. <laughs> Thank you, Hope. Um, don't forget stuff.drsteve.com, S-T-U-F-F.drsteve.com for all your shopping needs. It's that time where the holidays are coming up. Uh, it takes you straight to Amazon, or you can scroll down and get some of the cool crap that's on there, including, I believe, the flatest flute. And listen, you, the, the flatest flute, I have nothing to do with it. Um, even though it's got my picture on it and it says Dr. Steve, you know, loves the flatest flute or whatever, I have nothing to do with this, but I do find it to be hilarious. Now, their stupid website at flatestflute.com um, has a an expired certificate. Let me just look and see if I visit the website, if it's still okay. Oh, boy. And I got to come on. Okay, so I got to talk to Daniel about that. Uh, we'll try to get that fixed before the end of the week. Uh, I'll just let him know, yeah, but I can't. I can't get through to it. But it's flatestflute.com. It's a whistling butt plug. It's hilarious. No one actually should use it, but it's a great one of those gifts that you put in your. Uh, if you've got one of those white weird, elephant, white elephant or weird Santa uh, gift exchanges, it's just so stupid. And I did this at Tacy's friends i'm sorry tacy wasn't here to meet you guys she would really like you but um she had these friends and they were all like octogenarians the youngest one i think was like 73 and so they're even old by my standards and we had this christmas party and i brought a bunch of flatus flutes and stuck them on their stockings <laughs> like, what the hell is this uh, it's pretty funny so it's good for stuff like that and it's got a picture of me uh, a sort of a ren and stimpy type rendition of me uh, and a hairy ass farting out musical notes right into my face, and I'm like grinning like it smells like flowers. It's the greatest thing ever. So, uh, and our buddy uh, son of Chris did the artwork, and he's also a genius. So anyway, check them out. We'll try to get him to get his website working again. And uh, so there's stuff.drsteve.com, uh, Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And check out our Patreon. We're doing stuff that you will not hear anywhere else. It's only on Patreon. We've got classic shows that cannot be gotten on the Internet anymore. Uh, that going way back to day one, like October 13th of 2005, you know, around the time of the Sirius XM days. And P.A. John and I did some podcasts back then that really nobody ever heard. So they're out there. And then uh, we're also, Tacey and I are uh, the return of Tacey. Yay. Yay. Oh, oh, wait. So Tacey can't do this show, but she can do that because she can drink on Saturday. And do we do three shows. So by the third one, she's three sheets to the wind. <laughs> so every third show is a drunk show. And uh, uh, so it's Tacey and me, and we'll have some guests. We've got some surprise celebrity guests that are coming on that are people that aren't the usual suspects. So that's going to be lots of fun. And we've got real low tiers. Just go to patreon.com slash weirdmedicine and check it out. And don't forget Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. Do you have anything up there? Nope. Okay. Of course. Worry yeah, all right. You're working on it. Oh, I, I hit the wrong one. No, <laughs> oh, I like the other one better. Yeah. All right. That one's so better. in the studio today, we have real scientists, Lindsay and Charlie Kilmaster. Now, Lindsay 
This shows what you can do with a master's degree. She worked for the CDC Tick Lab. She was on the IMCDC series, and she's done avian flu research. That's right. And uh, Charlie is a deer biologist. I mean, who cares? But yeah. um, anyways, yeah, boy, you, you bat, you're batting out of your league, Charlie. Lindsay seems to be the... Uh, the the one with the bona fides here today. Oh yeah, and she makes more money too. So. <laughs> Good, that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no joint no, checking I'm just, account. I'm just me- excellent. Yeah, I've been on the other end of that before, and it didn't work out so well for me. So hopefully that'll that'll work for you guys. But um, actually, I'm I'm shitting on Charlie. He really has a cool job. Uh, he's a deer biologist. For, can I say for the state of yep. Georgia? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be talking about tick-related illnesses because they both. Now, did you guys, you both had interest in rickettsial and tick-related illnesses, or this happened as part of your careers, or how did that intersect? That's Lindsay's wheelhouse. Yeah. So I, well, but you're a deer biologist. You got to know something about. Well, yeah, they're they're part of the life cycle. We both yeah. we both took the same wildlife disease course, a mm-hmm. ten credit hour course back in in graduate school, and. Uh, so that's kind of where we okay. were first. So I, I, I'm involved in it, but when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the yeah. diseases, she's definitely the expert. Yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. doing my master's research, um, I did work with sand flies, and so I had worked with bugs and wildlife okay. and, so, and in the lab. So they let me work with ticks. Sand flies. You're talking about like when you're at the beach and these things take a big chunk out of you? No, these are these are the ones with like leash mania Ooh. down in Central America. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this world that we don't have here that we're awfully lucky we don't have. That's yes. yes. I mean, good <laughs> lord. L- parasites. Yeah. I mean, ugh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, so we're going to talk about all that stuff. Um, did you guys hear the show on zoonotic metastases when we had uh, PA um, uh, PA Lydia in? Yes, I listened to it. I didn't. Okay, so you guys will be interested in this because uh, these two have an interest in zoonotic disease. So these these are diseases that humans can get from animals. And uh, this person had a tapeworm, and the tapeworm had tapeworm cancer. And somehow the tapeworm cancer cells, they weren't human cells, they were tapeworm cancer cells, uh, got into this person's body and metastasized. So they had a cross-species uh, cancer, metas- a malignant metastasis. That's the wildest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So for people who don't understand the jargon I'm using, a metastasis just means it's spread all over their body. But it wasn't their cells. It was the tapeworm's cancer. The craziest That's thing. I've a, never heard anything like that. You don't think about wild animals getting cancer. They do. But, you know, a lot of times they just don't live long enough for it to be right. really much of an issue. But I guess a tapeworm living tapeworms inside a human stupid big long bag of dna that just eats your shit and reproduces it's disgusting and what is the purpose of those things people uh, used to use them to lose weight they did yeah they would eat the um the spores or whatever mm-hmm. the eggs the or eggs. whatever yeah that's not a smart way to lose weight. <laughs> a, a crappy byproduct of uh, evolution yeah really yes exactly well you know there's a niche for everything you get a drop of water from a pond, and there's all kinds of crap in there that we don't know anything about, and they're just living their lives so such as they are. Yeah, they can actually look for a lot of wildlife species and fish species, rare species and river systems, just by looking at uh, uh, running PCR on the on the 
the water and picking up oh, okay. fragments of scales and all so kinds of stuff. So they're doing polymerase chain reaction mm-hmm. on uh, water looking for DNA of things that are they didn't know that were there? Or they think are rare or may yeah. may not exist in a river system anymore. Wow. Yeah, it's cool stuff. That's cool. You can also uh, pick up traces of uh, drugs in water systems, too, run off from uh, sewage systems. There will be... Uh, you know, minute amounts of oxycodone and statin drugs and alprazolam, you know, Xanax, stuff like that in there. So, I mean, it, there's this invisible world around us. And then there's all my ham radio stuff, just the radio waves that we're just bathed in all the time. And gamma rays from galaxies billions of light years away that are just, you know, penetrating our bodies. Neutrinos from the center of the sun. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how we got off on that. I, it's probably the edible I did before you guys got here. <laughs> Just kidding, everybody. Uh, sounds like it, though. So, well, let's talk about some stuff. So, um, let, uh, number one, before the show, you guys were saying that you definitely know that COVID was made in a lab. So, let's talk about that. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. They did not say that. Um, but you guys have some some knowledge about this. What do you think? Well, about the origins of it. And you don't have to commit to anything. We all know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But, I mean, either way, it's going to have to be a perfect storm, right? So for a pandemic, you have to have the perfect storm of everything coming together. Same kind of goes for a lab leak. Um, I've worked in, in BSL-3 labs. Um, Tell people what that means. So biosafety level three, there's there's four different biosafety levels. They, they get stricter as you go up. Um, so biosafety level three, things like influenza, things that are aerosolized. Um, Four would be Ebola. I mean, those are right. the people. Things with that the... we don't have treatments for, things that are mm-hmm. fatal. Uh, Ebola, they, they still work with smallpox and, and BSL-4, I believe. If, if Did you read the book, still... The Hot Zone? Mm-hmm. That guy's working, All that in, stuff. working yeah. in the lab, and he's just working away, and these guys show up in these DSL-4, you know, uh, suits, suits on. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> Am I supposed to be here? But, I mean, I've, I've seen people Can work in those labs, and I've, I've seen people not do things correctly mm-hmm. um so you know is it is it beyond the realm of possibility that it came out of lab well people no do stupid um, stuff most likely i, I mean, mean i've the seen most... the stand yeah. that guy took off he got scared and he took off and went right through the the gates right that's that's fact right the stand stephen king's a stand but uh i mean that's how these kinds of things happen though i mean uh, um, Michael Crichton in the Andromeda strain talked yep. about confluence of of just stupid events that can cause something catastrophic to happen. Right. He and talked about that in Jurassic Park, too, which was really the the crux of that book. It wasn't about dinosaurs. It was about how life, yeah, life will find a way right. if it's given a chance. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so... I I'm mean, getting all excited, you can tell. The, <laughs> this is fascinating. They, there were some... You know, all these DNA sequences, we haven't been able to find an intermediate host, you know, where they think it went from bats to something else to humans. Um, So could it have gone from... That was the hypothesis was that it was this wet market. Right. And it was a bat bit, a civet. Was it a civet? Was that what they thought it was? It was a pangolin. Pangolins. Pangolin. They were looking at pangolins. Pangolins. But, you know, but then they haven't you... found any that have COVID. No. Right? Um, and, and these markets, they're a great breeding ground for sure. stuff like this. You bring in wildlife. You bring in domestic species. You bring in humans. Mm-hmm. Everything just mixes together. Yep. And then That's out contagion. 
something. Um, but what they're saying is it, it was going around way before that wet market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, most likely scenario, these these things pop up all the time. Yeah. Um, naturally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read a couple articles. I've got a, a friend who is a, a vaccinologist at Mayo, and um, I had read some of the things that he had said. I've been trying to get him on the show, but he's been – you can imagine how busy he is. And um, uh, he has really looked at the DNA sequence and, or the RNA sequence, so that it's very unlikely this was manufactured. Right. Uh, because there's it, it mutated in a way that a human who was trying to manufacture it wouldn't think to do it. Right. There's there's so nature markers. is crazy that way. Yeah. There's markers that you can find, and, yeah. and it's not showing any markers that it. Yeah, if they had coded a serial number in there or something, well, then we would know. Perfect. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they didn't. They weren't seeing that, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't have been enhanced in the lab, and you know. Or, you know, somebody just, they were working at the wrong safety level, yep. got yep. sick, and, you know, it's it's mild. You think it's a cold, and then a crazy the whole world dink gets it. That the virology lab just happens to be right there at the night. <laughs> this thing. But, I, I still, I still maybe think it is a quinky dink, but. That, that natural, that, you know, it came about naturally, yeah. but... Yeah. You know, I'm not discounting I don't lab, think we'll ever lab know. leak at all. I don't, I don't think we will ever find out. Even if all the scientists in there came out and said, "Yeah, we did it," I think that there will be it'll be suspect at that point. Nobody nobody believes anything anymore. No, <laughs> you know that's for sure. Yeah, we just don't believe anything. So, twenty scientists come out of that lab and say, "Yep, it was us." There's going to be a whole bunch of people who say, "There's no way that's possible." You so. wouldn't believe the number of people that came to Lindsay because of her being a scientist and being yep. able to interpret the the science. I mean, she was just like the go to for all of our friends. Sure, when I couldn't trust what or know what to believe from the media. Right. So. Yeah. Likewise. So, um, yeah, so let's talk about some of this stuff. We're all tired of talking about stupid COVID. We've got molnupiravir coming out. We've got early remdesivir. I mean, how irritating is it that all they did was focus on the critically ill instead of focusing on keeping people from getting critically ill? That's the thing that pisses me off about this. I'm still mad about it. But at least they're finally focusing on that. Oh, what a surprise. You give people on the ventilator with, you know, blood pressure of 60 over nothing, and, uh, you know, you give them remdesivir, they don't get better. (laughs) But you give it to them before they get sick, and miracle, 90% or 80-some percent of people, or I'm sorry, 80% reduction in people going to the hospital. I mean... And we're just doing this now? We've been wondering the same thing this yeah. whole time. Oh, they you were know, so where, focused. Where on are the treatments treated, versus a vaccine? Right. Thank you. Well, and well, and you, you listen to the show, so you know I've been bitching about it for the longest time. And I used to do uh, COVID situation reports on YouTube and said the same thing. You know, uh, if we have a therapeutic that will keep people out of the hospital, the whole reason we're doing this is to keep from overwhelming the hospital system and to prevent people from dying, well, then it's over. Yep. Vaccine or no. I mean, the vaccine will help. But uh, we found that this thing's going to be endemic. I had the vaccine. I had a breakthrough case. 
I had a breakthrough case. You had a breakthrough case? Both fully vaccinated with what vaccine? Pfizer. Pfizer. There you go. Same here. But we, mm-hmm. you know, we breezed through it. And Pfizer's we, strong, man. Yeah. Yeah. We, but our, our, <laughs> our daughters got it and they were too young to get the vaccine. Yeah. And our, our oldest had it, had a rough time. She ran a fever for like nine days. Nine days. Straight. We were in and, the emergency room and thank God Charlie and I were both on our feet yeah. the whole time. Yeah. 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 Infected with COVID running back and forth to the ER. But what, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah, but that, I mean, that was, you know, the problem with a vaccine, it's it's hard to get people to, you know, they can be real skeptical of a vaccine, but when they're sick with the disease, yeah. even if it's experimental, I think they're way more likely to go ahead and get a treatment mm-hmm. once they're sick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we so. see, we've seen pretty good acceptance for the monoclonal antibodies. The problem with the monoclonal antibody is only still to this day, only 30% of people who should get it are being referred for it. I had one of my partners, I've told this story too many times, but she's half my age. She's still effed up two months later, and she was a candidate for it, but her primary care didn't think about it until it was, you know, too late. We haven't heard much about it. I mean, you you hear here and there, there were some um, places in, in Athens that were uh, giving it out, but it, it's, it's, it's free. still, it's still. I mean, it's, it's free to the user. Not, yeah. you know, being so referred. We, We'll have monoclonal antibodies. We'll, so if the, for the people who are at risk, mm-hmm. for everybody else, uh, they can take molnupiravir as soon as it gets approved, which is going to be very soon. Pfizer's got one that looks even better. And then we've got early remdesivir. So uh, I think we, we've, now we've got four, all of a sudden four things that we know actually work. Whatever happened with dexamethasone? Oh, it's, that's great. They, they use it, and yeah. it does help. It even helps with the critically ill. It's one of the few things that that we've used. And th- there are other things that, that we have. There's a couple of um, uh, uh, s- uh, very powerful anti-inflammatory agents other than dexamethasone. They're non they're not stero- non-steroidals, but they're they aren't steroids that are powerful uh, uh, anti-inflammatory agents. And they have shown some benefit in people with severe disease. But you still see all these folks in there that get the dexamethasone, get remdesivir, get some of these other um, uh, medications, and uh, they're still not doing great. You know, so the the key is to prevent them from getting there. And I was just pissed from day one that they were focused on the vaccine and the severely ill rather than focusing on therapeutics. I, do it all. I mean, you're going to spend billions of dollars. What's another five hundred million to work on a on a therapeutic, but we're, we're, now we're there, so I guess better late than ever, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I said we weren't going to talk about COVID, and you got me, you got me all mad again. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about some things. So um, there's a bunch of zoonotic diseases that people should know about, and we're going to talk in a minute about this alpha gal syndrome, which is fascinating to me. And then uh, people are interested in Lyme because our good buddy, uh, o- you know, Greg Hughes, the actor that plays Opie on the Opie and Anthony show and Opie radio podcast had a Lyme scare that he talked about. I'm not talking out of school. He talked about it on his show a bunch. And uh, what uh, what to tell our doctors when we get bit and, you know, our, our health care providers. But I also want to talk about rabies 
and prions before we get done. So a little tease for later on in the show. So uh, let's talk a little bit. How about brucellosis? Who, which of you are the, is the expert on brucellosis? I think I can take that one. Okay. I, I deal with feral hogs quite a bit, and that's probably going to be one of the most common places people are going to get exposed to it yeah so tell us about it so yeah uh feral hogs are a plague on our natural environment in this country (laughs) really yeah oh my gosh right yeah well they're pork um and they they are feral they're not uh quote-unquote wild hogs or eurasian wild boar they're a crossed up genetic mutt of a pig oh wait okay so I, i'm i'm assuming you're talking about wild boars this is something different okay so the wild boar that you're thinking of is what we collectively refer to as feral pigs all across the u.s yeah okay so these are original descendants of eurasian boar but they've been domesticated for like nine thousand years okay and and they were they're they're all crossed up and then uh they were released um you know, that even by the Spanish in the first explorations is when pigs first came here. Okay, but uh, the they far outbreed even their their uh, their native ancestor, not native, but their uh, Eurasian wild boar ancestor. They they can produce so many more young each year. It's just uh, unbelievable. They okay. can outperform everything reproductively. Yeah. So, uh, like pigs, all the the pig diseases we've eradicated from domestic swine uh they're all still floating around and and you should pretty much assume that any feral pig that you come across uh is likely to be positive for brucellosis okay hmm. so and so and again when you're saying feral pigs that includes wild hogs wild hogs feral pigs okay. one and the same uh, oh okay okay yep. okay okay yeah Yep. Okay, I thought you were making a distinction. So, I've I've heard of um, feral cows in Florida. Have you heard about this? That there's some, a bunch of wild cows in the like in the Everglades and stuff. Yes, yes. There's uh, we've actually got a small population on an island in Georgia, really, uh, of feral cows. So it's it's not definitely not unheard of. Okay, but they you know if they've got room to graze and they yeah. they can. They can keep on going. So feral pigs are mean as hell, right? Oh, man. No? I, I get that all the time. You know, people, well, they, that, fed, they look mean. They were going to feed Hannibal Lecter to them. They look yeah, mean. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're in a pen with one, yeah. it's going to try to come after you. But if you're nine times out of ten, if you run across one in the woods, they're almost always going to run from you unless okay. they're cornered. Okay. So, yeah, sure. Um, but I, I hear people that say they were charged by them, and I think they just spooked the pig, and the pig ran in their direction to get away. I see. So. So, or maybe they had their babies that's with them. That's a pretty or big assumption. Those <laughs> some bitches look mean, man. I'm telling you. Can you oh, they can they can hurt you big time. Oof, can you feed them dead bodies and they'll just eat the whole thing? They will eat anything. They are uh, highly om- that. omnivorous, and that's you know, um, you know, <laughs> so crazy. But yeah, they they eat just about anything, and that's what makes them so successful in the uh, in sure. nearly every environment you put them in. Yeah. So. So they have ripping teeth and grinding teeth. Yes, uh, and fighting teeth, the tusks that grow yeah. on the boars. Uh, and that, they'll use those to dig up stuff too, right? Right, they do a lot of rooting. If you find hog damage in the woods, it looks like you plowed it up with a tractor. Yeah. What are they going for, grubs? or are they? Yeah, they eat a lot of grubs. They eat tubers. They eat truffles. They eat all <laughs> kinds of, like, 
corn, truffles, they and love, potatoes. Yeah, and yeah, then they, they get into the farmers' yeah, fields yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and just destroy them. Oh yeah, like you, you can see, especially right after they plant like peanuts or something, you can they'll just walk right down the row, <laughs> damn, and just dig up the the seed peanuts. That's hilarious. I've got a buddy. They of mine. like all the same stuff we do. Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. I've got a buddy of mine. He was telling me the, the except for the human flesh. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless long you're, unless you're really hungry. Yeah, long pork. Exactly right. <laughs> Got a buddy of mine that he's got a, a huge a population of, of these wild pigs um, uh, up in southwest Virginia. And he lives right on a river, and it's great farmland. Mm-hmm. And those things, he said, are just robust and wilder and healthy. But he goes, they're, they're a whole lot smarter than you can give them credit for. Um, and he says, like, the, like, they've got one farmer there that had this big, huge mess of corn. And the pigs ate the center of the corn. So when you're looking at at the corn field from the side, it looks like it's <laughs> looks fine. normal. And they go inside, things. it's like those sons of bees. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they're like, actually using drones to fly over yeah. corn fields to look for hog damage like that. Yeah, man, it's unbelievable. Really? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. they won't nibble around the edges. Well, they go from they, the middle. They will some, but they feel more comfortable if they're inside that cornfield. Oh, they sure. got then they've got Protected cover. Yep. But they're they're as they're as smart as most dogs. They're they're unbelievably smart. Yeah. And uh, we've had to devise like advanced <laughs> technology them. to trap them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we use remotely triggered traps. So you're uh, like a ring camera. Go, it shines on the and you and once you see, make sure count all the pigs and make sure the entire group's in the trap. And then you send it a signal to drop the door. Wow. Because wow. if you leave one pig out, they'll get the rest of them out. They, well, well yeah. they learn. They, 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 you educate it, and you'll never get that pig to ever set foot in a trap again. Yeah, they say they about red snapper too. That if you uh, miss one, then the rest of them won't won't bite anymore. You know, oh no, <laughs> that's what I hear. I don't know if that could possibly be true, but they're big. You know, they're big fish. <laughs> Hell, funny. So brucellosis, yeah, uh, so uh, causes fever, sweats, um, malaise. In other words, just feeling crappy. So far, sounds like another thing that we all three of us had anorexia, in other words, loss of appetite, headache, pain in your muscles. How the hell do you know you have something like this? Well, uh, handling pigs, that's the main thing. So you got a long a potential incubation period. You might get symptoms in one to two weeks on average, but it could be months after exposure. Wow. So um, the main thing is if you're handling a pig, wear gloves and don't don't uh, rub your eyes when you're. Uh, don't eat. Don't smoke or chew while you're while you're cleaning one. Oh my God! Why would anybody <laughs> do that? But I guess they do. But uh, and and then <laughs> if you get any sort of symptoms, just knowing to tell your doctor that you've been exposed to it because. If the doctor doesn't know you've been handling feral pigs, they may not know to test you mm-hmm. for sure. these symptoms that are common across a lot of other diseases. Yeah. So I actually worked wow. with CDC a number of years ago to, to film some stuff, and I we interviewed a, a hog hunter that had gotten brucellosis. And um, I actually – here's one of the things I run into a lot is uh, the last – feral pig that i shot i cut myself in the process of cleaning it mm-hmm. okay. so if it had it i'm gonna get it right mm-hmm. you know uh i went to my doctor let him know that and uh so he was able to give me on prophylactic antibiotics yeah and i said well should i just wait and he said well you can take two weeks of doxy now or wait until you got symptoms and then you might be on it for six months right so 
uh, that's a good thing to know. So like, the treatment's doxycycline, very inexpensive, easily obtained drug, requires a doctor's prescription in the United States. Yeah. So just or knowing that provider, you've been a, I shouldn't say doctor. I, I know better than to say that. I'm sorry. Know. No, it's, that's my fault. <laughs> but so, just knowing that you've been potentially exposed to it and, and uh, coming in, in direct contact with fluids of a feral pig, either in your eyes or a cut or something like that, I would consider that contact. Yeah. So it's and, not just, I'm sorry, it's not just skin. It, I mean, it could be any kind of fluid, feces, urine, mm. blood. Ma- uh, mainly mm. around the reproductive organs. It's a venereal disease in oh. hogs. So it's I transmitted. <laughs> no wonder those things like sorry. hanging out in uh, this part of the world, you know, makes me think, um, it wasn't very nice to say. What I said? No wonder they like to hang out in this part of the world. Makes me <laughs> makes makes me think of um, one of our favorite movies. What? Don't be oh, cryptic. Del- it's a radio show. Yes. Yes. Oh, Deliverance. Yes. No. Boy. Well, it's well, a venereal disease. Because you're an idiot. <laughs> well, at least we know where not to stick our hands. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. Now I um, so. I know people that still hunt rabbits and stuff, mm-hmm. and I watched that show alone, and a woman, Callie, came really close to winning the 100-day challenge. By the way, if anybody doesn't watch this show, you need to give it a try. It is an amazing show. It's phenomenal. They put mm-hmm. people in the middle of nowhere right before winter with nothing, and they have to do everything. They can bring 10 items. And uh, this guy, Roland, well, I don't want to give a spoiler, but there, there's some really phenomenal people out there. And some the, the one guy I liked was the big fat guy that won just because he was fat. He didn't do anything. <laughs> he had more weight to lose. No, he just sat there until he everybody more tapped reserves. out. He just let everybody out. He had more reserves. You remember that guy? I don't want to say his name because it's kind of insulting. But um, <laughs> that, that's why he won. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, uh, this, this Cali had gotten a porcupine and when she was cleaning it, it the liver had all these white sort of looked like little micro abscesses i saw all that it. yeah you did I, yeah that was wild yeah she yeah. was trying to decide she should yeah, boil like, it should out should i eat it yeah. or and uh, so talk to us about that because there is a myth and i don't know if it's a myth that you shouldn't clean rabbits during the summer because you'll get rabbit fever which is tularemia yeah um i, I hear that a lot too um i i think uh I think it is more common in the summer, um, but don't quote me on that okay. that particular thing. But it's not yeah, hard that's, and fast. Yeah, uh, it's it's always a good idea to wear gloves when you're handling rabbits because of the potential for tularemia. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're when you're when you're gutting an animal, if you look at the at the liver and the spleen, if it's got those white spots at that point, if you've come into contact with the body, um, you may want to consider talking to the doctor about. Uh, potential exposure to tularemia and it's you know it's a nasty disease it it doesn't have to get into a cut it can just go right onto your skin and start <sighs> infecting you and uh, it's it's also one that you know they're concerned about for, terrorism um, terrorism yeah it can aerosolize so a lot of people Ugh. get um uh tularemia from like mowing over rabbit carcasses oh oh my goodness yeah and it, it Oh my wow. goodness! into the air. And no, then they get, yes. don't do that. Don't hey, tell us. Look on CDC's website. Oh hell no! Oh hell no! 
That's terrible advice. <laughs> and then the summer thing could be linked to ticks too, because you can it's it's a tick borne disease as well. And yeah, so and anytime, deer flies. Anytime you're um, cleaning skin a, a, contact with infected animals, mm-hmm. inhaling contaminated aerosols or agriculture and landscaping dust. Oh my it, god! It's a lot. A lot of landscapers. This world is just stacked against us, and that it's weird that. We just go through our lives just thinking, well, okay, I'm going to watch Seinfeld tonight. Yeah. And then and stuff you mow your lawn that's... and you have to the room. <laughs> yeah, oh and your is lungs, it... <laughs> no doubt. Is that, yeah. every, is, is that everywhere? Is it more, more tularemia in North America, South America, Africa? Do we know? All states is except it? Hawaii. Well, all states. what it says here. Hawaii. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Steps. Okay, here you go. Steps to prevent tularemia. Use insect repellent, wear gloves when handling sick or dead animals, and avoid mowing over dead animals. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't do it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, if you got a dried-up jerky rabbit that's laying out in the lawn <laughs> and and you don't notice it because it's kind of covered up in tall grass, I mean, that's... It's easy to mow over. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Oh, no. This is one of these. I hated these things in medical school. I know I memorized this at one point. All forms are accompanied by fever. It can be as high as 104. And in the middle of a, a you know, a global pandemic, people are going to just assume that that's what they have. But here's all these different kinds. Do you know them? Ulceroglandular and glandular? No. And all that's okay. So I'll, I'll run through these. Ulceroglandular, most common form of tularemia, uh, followed by a tick or deer fly bite, or after handling an infected animal skin ulcer appears at the site. Where the bacteria entered the body, that sounds like a shanker. The ulcer is accompanied by swelling of regional lymph glands, usually in the armpit or groin. So a lot of people are going to think that they have cat scratch fever or something like that, because that'll present sort of the same way. And then there's glandular, oculoglandular, I guess that's when you stick your finger in your eye. Oropharyngeal, that would be from eating or drinking, I'm guessing, yes. And then pneumonic, the most serious form, cough, chest pain, difficulty breathing from breathing dusts or aerosols god this this sucks yeah it really does and didn't you find a Lindsay? didn't you find a publication that showed that uh probably 50 percent or more of cases are tick-borne what it is a tick-borne disease and so like yeah. as you're cleaning animals like when these animals die the ticks drink blood mm-hmm. got um, nowhere to go what, what they detach mm-hmm. you know they they go looking for another mm-hmm. meal mm-hmm. and so you're the closest warm-blooded thing to them yeah. and i mean they'll they'll feed on reptiles too but um yeah so they'll they'll start crawling on you and touch and fucking ticks yeah and what Whatever. about when they can they like going from a nymph to an adult can they still keep those diseases and transmit them through that metamorphosis with tularemia i would have to look that up i can't remember yeah, so there yeah. there are some diseases that that go from so so most of them will go through the different life stages. So with ticks, you have the larvae, which are the really teeny tiny ones that, that most people will call seed ticks. You know, so they'll, they'll mm. hang out in a big ball of like 5,000 on a piece of grass mm. and you swipe by them. And, That's good eating. You know, you get hundreds on you. Mm. Um, and, so, and then there's nymphs and adults. And so, you know, if they feed on something at any of those stages, as an adult, they can have that disease. Mm. Now, when they lay eggs... Some of the diseases will go into the eggs, and some of them won't. Huh. Just depends. Wow, that's disgusting. That's pretty gross. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So it says tularemia can be difficult to diagnose. It's a rare disease. I can confirm that I've never seen a single case of it in my career, at least not that I recognized. And, uh, it's, you know, so if, if you get something, it's really important that you talk to your healthcare provider, say, I've been exposed to this animal or that animal. And don't forget about that. But the good news, um, doxycycline is treatment of choice. So another, why don't we just throw doxycycline at everything? Yeah, yeah if, really. If you're talking about tick-borne stuff. It's just about I right, mean, right? Rickettsia or leaky, like all those things. Yep. Yeah. Doxy. <laughs> Good. Hmm. Take that. All right. Um, That's pretty wild. So what about. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what about like um, alligators and. Oh, salmonella and stuff. Yeah, down in South Georgia, yeah, Florida. And well, Miss Lindsay here yeah. and myself, we both killed alligators in Georgia. Oh God! So we, <laughs> that's freak out, man. Oh no, it's, it's cool. But no, we have a hunting season, <laughs> yeah. and you have to apply for tags and all that stuff. Really? So, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. So generally, like if uh, they've got salmonella all over their all over the outside of their body, so uh, they really recommend before you uh before you go to skin one uh you uh scrub the outside of the alligator with a mild bleach solution hmm. to clean the skin before you cut into it and potentially infect the meat so really uh, yeah yep alligator meat's excellent only bad thing is it's a source of bioaccumulation of mercury they're big large carnivores that live in the water and eat a lot of fish, fish. so just like big predatory fish they can bioaccumulate mercury as well be nice if you could just take the meat that you get and have it tested before you go f- fry we, it up. Well, we 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 did a lot of testing uh, in the early days when we first started hunting alligators again after we recovered them from an endangered status, mm-hmm. and uh, you can assume that they a big the bigger the alligator the more they bioaccumulated mercury yeah and so uh we recommend that you know pregnant women don't eat a lot of alligator at all yeah uh or you know children no more than so many meals per week we have actual li- specific recommendations on how many meals per week and that sort of thing <laughs> how many who's eating alligator five times a week i mean i lived in louisiana i didn't know anybody eating gator that often well if you if you Go hunting and you I kill a big alligator, so. and you got thirty pounds of alligator bait in your freezer. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, Fair that's true. enough. Make your alligator stew. Make your alligator tacos. Yeah, fried alligators. That's about it. That's about it. <laughs> How about uh, okay? Oh so I want to get to Lyme. We've still got oh, we've got some time left. Let's talk about alpha gal syndrome. We want to talk about that. You want to al- kick it off, Lindsay? We can. Should both- the alpha gal talk about that? Yes. Or? She is the alpha gal. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's an allergy to red meat that you can get uh, after you've been bitten by a tick. It's the nuttiest so, thing in the world. So ticks have, have this, and it's a, it's a carbohydrate. So most allergies are from proteins. Um, this one's from uh, carbohydrates, uh, uh, sugar. And um, so that's why it, it's got a delayed reaction, which is what's kind of really weird about it and helps uh, or makes it kind of hard to diagnose uh, sometimes. But you, you can get it from a tick bite. You can get it from, they initially discovered it from like cancer medications. And the people mm. that were getting cancer treatments that were having this red meat allergy um, kind of overlaid with with uh, here in the South with uh, tick 
distributions. So huh. this one doctor was seeing a lot of it, and he kind of put two and two together. Then at the at the time, it was kind of really weird. His uh, his technician or, or somebody in his lab. I could be telling the story completely wrong, but um, <laughs> had had gotten bitten by a tick and then ended up with this allergy, and they kind of put it all together. It was kind of wow. serendipity there, but uh, yeah. So so you can't eat uh, beef, pork. Uh, people have trouble with uh, heart valves, knee replacements from you know any pork oh, products. Yeah. They pork, can they can reject heart it. valves. Right, have alpha galactosidase in them, and your body basically just attacks it. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's mostly you see it mostly from uh, organ meat or from fattier meats. So leaner cuts can can uh, not give you the same reaction, but mm-hmm. the the reactions from different people are really varied. So Charlie, actually, we wonder if he has a mild form of it. So some people can be really mild. Some people can be severe. Some people can take Zyrtec and eat yeah. meat. Yeah. Fine. I, I noticed it. Um, so we, being a hunter myself, we pretty much live off of venison in our household. And venison doesn't bother me at all. And I think it's probably related to the low fat content. Mm-hmm. But if I, like, if I'm on the road and I eat, like, fast food burgers, like, twice in one day i'm gonna wake up either in the middle of the night or the next morning with hives yeah so the hives show up three to seven hours later (laughs) so weird yeah yeah Yeah, so um yeah this thing can cause hives itching swelling abdominal pain cramping all that stuff and uh the treatment for it is to lay off of the red meat for like six months right and then the the antibodies disappear because you're not continuing to regenerate them i've had it for well I've been eating meat the whole time, See. but I've had it for <laughs> over 15 years. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and my uh, – some people, they, they they lay off of it, and it doesn't seem to go away, and some people it does. Yeah. Mine, mine has been kind of intermittent, and I went for a few years with no reactions, and I can't find any data on this, but I got a tick bite early last summer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it shows back up. That's interesting. And so got I don't know if it's – back up again. Yeah, but I get bitten by ticks relatively frequently because of my recreation and my job that puts me out in the woods a lot. So. Isn't that something? I'm trying to find some – what is it in the tick bite that causes this where you all of a sudden – It's in the saliva. It's, sure, but what is it, though? It's the alpha-galactosidase. So well, the, there's alpha-galactosidase in everything, though. You know? Well, then it's, it's it's so so if if your hypothesis was and it may be mm-hmm. it may be the way you're exposed to it, right. but you would every all of us would be allergic to red meat because that's what the you know who knows I mean there are so many different factors in in tick saliva yeah that that you know there's stuff that helps evade the immune system um, they've got uh, an anesthetic so that you know once they bite you you won't feel it right. Uh, they've got all sorts of stuff. Uh, I mean, the the bacteria and ticks, the tick-borne diseases, actually use the ticks saliva as as a means to evade the yeah. immune system in some cases. Yeah. So don't ask me to get too deep in no, that. <laughs> um, I'm going to find out though, because that's, now that's going to drive me crazy. Because uh, for those listening who don't know what alpha galactosidase is, it is a it's a car- complex sugar that is in red meat. And you don't see it so much in chicken and fish. And uh, so when people ingest this, they've got these antibodies against it, and then it's just mushing up into their, uh, it, you know, it's being absorbed in their GI tract. 
into the bloodstream and then it's bumping up against the GI tract and you're forming these inflammatory complexes there. And then, yeah, you get this bloating, the abdominal pain, and then ultimately the hives. And that's why it takes so long is because it's got the sugar's got to make it to the skin with these uh, inflammatory complexes attached to it. Mm-hmm. And then and then now you've got this skin reaction. But that takes a while to diffuse out there. Yeah, I get real what bad heartburn. Uh, like it, like uncontrollable heartburn. Like no, you can take all the tums or any uh, omeprazole yeah, in the world, yeah. and it's not going to touch it. I got something for you that mm. you might try, and this might help anybody else that has that as stomach stuff. Would be um, uh, serum bovine immunoglobulins. Mm-hmm. So it's called Enterogam. Is the and your doctor or health other healthcare provider can write it for you. Uh, it can only be gotten from one pharmace- pharmaceutical company in the country, and then they call you, and you have to give them your credit card. But it's 99 bucks for a box of 30 packets of this stuff, and you, you know, it might last you months if you only use it every once in a while. And those bovine serum antibodies will bind to a lot of these kinds of um, uh toxic complexes. I don't like to use the word toxins, <laughs> but uh, they will bind to those things in the GI tract to keep them from coming into contact with the GI tract. That might help that. Because you're right, the reason Tums don't work is because it's not acid, it's inflammation. Yeah, I, luckily, I've, since I figured it out, I figured out that just taking a Zyrtec can there knock my go. symptoms out. Isn't and that it interesting? It works really well with mine. But I'm... I'm uh, I've had a couple of family members or a family member and a friend that had this and got cured by acupuncture. So I'm thinking about trying that. Wow. There, there you, you go, go, Dr. Scott. There you go. And I actually offered. Stick it to him. I asked Dr. Scott to go ahead and treat him tomorrow, and he said he was too busy. Oh, so too, there you oh, go. too busy. Yeah, I got shit to do, man. Okay. You get nothing. You lose <laughs> Good day, sir. That's just Dr. Scott. He just didn't care. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to bet. I'm going to be Kreskin now. And I'm going to take a I – w- I will bet, I don't know, $25 that you do not have B blood type. I don't know what type of blood <laughs> is. Right. Well, good. I don't have to give you 25 bucks. But it says patients whose red blood cells – and this is from Medscape – who expressed the B antigen appear to be protected from alpha-gal allergy. And uh, people with type um, a, B or AB have decreased risk, and type O or A are increased risk hmm. compared to that. So kind of interesting. That is kind of crazy. Yep, yep. I've, I've read something about blood type and was curious, and uh, but then I couldn't find it in any of my medical records. So. Well, we talk about these blood type diets and hmm. that they're BS and all this kind of stuff, and I don't know if they are or they aren't. I just haven't seen good data, real science done on those hmm. blood type diets. But b- blood type is a determinant of a lot of different factors in our, in our health. And uh, my wife, for example, is... Uh, uh, o negative, and I'm O positive, and so all our kids, she had to be uh, vaccinated basically against um, the, my my antibodies. She had to have blocking antibodies that would stop her body from making antibodies against the Rh positive kid, and uh, and she would be exposed to their blood when the kids are born, and that's why Anne Boleyn lost her head. 
Did you know that? Because the Rh factor, she was, she was RH she negative. She was a negative, and Henry was Henry, positive. Henry was huh. positive, and she had one kid. This is always the pattern: one kid, and then you have multiple losses. You know, uh, terminations of pregnancy yep. after that. And uh, so Queen Elizabeth the first, and so she was in a way almost lucky that her mom had that because there weren't any sons that could take precedence over her because at the time they would have put them ahead of her. And uh, we would have never had the, or, you know, the original Elizabethan era or any of that stuff. Shakespeare wouldn't have had his his patron. And, the, you know, who knows what would have happened in that alternate universe where Anne Boleyn has uh, was R.H. positive. What would have happened? You know, but anyway, uh, how would history have been different? But, yeah, so that's just a fun factoid in history that uh, – uh, that that if they had had Rogam back then, things would have been different. But, you know, so my wife had the same thing Anne Boleyn did. I did not have to uh, execute her because she did was able to have other children and <laughs> give me male heir. So, <laughs> so whatever. Um, all right. So have we covered everything on alpha-gal syndrome? I believe so. Let's yep. talk about Lyme disease real quick because I know a lot of people, it used to be we thought it was just in the Northeast when I was in Vermont. We sort of felt proprietary about it or proprietary about it that, oh, you know, this is our disease. But now they've seen it in every state of the country that I'm aware of, at least on the continental U.S. Right. So tell us if you how how do we know we're at risk for Lyme disease? And then what does it look like when we actually have it? Because a lot of people think they have Lyme disease that don't. Right. So, I mean, again, it's it's kind of these generalized, you know, symptoms, <laughs> malaise, you know, you might get fever, uh, muscle aches. There's a lot of muscle aches, joint aches, uh, those types of things. And, and if you don't know if you've been bitten by a tick, then, you know, it's one of those things that's really hard for doctors to, to diagnose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was historically up north, but the, the ticks have moved down here so we didn't have the the ticks that transmit this disease the black-legged tick scapularis. we didn't have those in the south for a long time but they've made their way down here damn yankees now it's still um the ticks that we have down here when when they look at you know prevalence of lyme in the ticks compared to up north it's still way higher in up the north, north. Yeah. Um, about tenfold Good. higher. I mean, you're still Good. only Keep looking at like one percent of ticks up north and point one percent of ticks oh, down here. But oh. um, yeah, they think that down here, those ticks are using uh, reptiles in their uh, younger stages, in those larval and nymphal stages. And reptiles don't are, are bad hosts mm-hmm. for oh. the Lyme spirochete. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't like it. So Lyme disease is interesting because it acts like syphilis in the sense that it has three phases. You have the rash. In syphilis, you get a chancre, and it divides and divides again, and then it goes away, and you think, oh, I'm fine. But the spirochete is going wacko in your central nervous system and stuff. Lyme, same way. You get this this uh, bullseye-type mm-hmm. rash, real lacy. I've seen it. You know, I've treated a bunch of Lyme cases when I was up there. Lacy sort of rash that spreads out from the center of where the tick was. Right. And then it kind of fades away. And if you don't treat them, it'll come back and they'll get tertiary Lyme disease because the secondary phase is latent. They just don't have any symptoms. Right. And, I mean, you can you can have it for life. Yep, yep. Um, now, with that, with that bullseye rash, that's what a lot of people look for. But actually, less than half the cases... Yeah. have that bullseye rash yeah hmm. so if that's you know if you're looking for that as your your indicator you know it could be missed right so i get bit by a tick mm-hmm. 
now what do I do? So if you can keep your tick, mm. you know, that's mm-hmm. that's always a great thing. You know, if we can identify it, you, you've got a better chance of knowing what you might have. Mm. Um, if uh, you can put it in alcohol, that's even better. Okay. And then they can do the polymerase chain reaction to, to see what the tick's carrying sometimes mm-hmm. if the doctor submits it in time and it's not too really degraded huh. uh, they can they can okay. check on that too but um yeah you go to your doctor and you tell you and it's um what six months of doxy or rifampin um it, or both it, okay if you're confirmed i know that uh the regular the regular prophylactic or the just the regular treatment for suspected lyme disease i think it's just uh it's 10 to 14 days is it? Yeah, doxycycline, 100 milligram twice a day for 10 to 14 days. And that's if you have erythema migrans, the, the rash that we're talking about. Now, if you have tertiary Lyme disease, it's six months. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that might be what you're thinking about. Yeah. If children get it, um, 10 to 14 days. And, uh, yeah, neurolog- you can get neurologic Lyme disease. You can get Lyme disease of the heart. That sucks. And then you can get Lyme arthritis, too. And I've had those people back in the day, they would get um, an IV medication called ceftriaxone, and they would get that for months and months and months and months and months. So you don't want to screw around with this. No. So, But not every, you know, so you just said if, if you're in the South, you get a tick bite. If it's not on you for 24 hours, then the odds are very low, right? For and, Lyme? Yeah, for Lyme. Um, pr- pretty low. So when when they've actually gone in and looked at, at transmission rates, it, mm-hmm. it varies. Okay. And so you want to do your tick checks as soon yes. as you get home. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, but... Then You're the, re- it, the relatively safe, is, but... Even up north, the prevalence is, you said, 0.1%, right? So you have a 99.9% chance of not having Lyme from that tick. It's 1% up north. Oh. So And then it's 0.1% down here. Okay. Holy crap. Still I don't know 1%. on average that, that, you know, that's that's a few papers. I've, I've been out of the tick world for a little bit. So I have a know. lot of uh, my clients who will call me and say, well, I just had sex with a prostitute. What are my odds? You know, I'm worried I have HIV. And then I walk them through. Well, here's the the prevalence. You got to take the prevalence. What's the percentage of people that are just in the real world randos that have HIV? And then what's then you have to multiply that times the. Uh, chance that you'll get it in a single encounter with somebody with unprotected penis vagina intercourse and it's the number is very low and that number being being very low i can usually talk somebody off the cliff <laughs> you know but right. but the the odds aren't zero so i still tell them next time you know use a condom so uh what's your recommendation if you get bit by a tick and now the the place is turning a little bit red and knowing that there's more out there than just Lyme disease what do you think people should do I mean go go talk to your doctor uh, <laughs> God, I'm gonna say I don't know here's some doxycycline right I mean doxycycline treats a lot of tick-borne diseases and so yeah. you know whether you know if it's Lyme or you know, Rocky Mountain spotted fever mm-hmm. any of these other more obscure things a lot of them are treated with yeah. doxycycline that's so. the good news and and especially with you know some of these uh, with children, uh, you want to go ahead and give the doxy. A, a lot of doctors are still kind of reluctant to mm-hmm. to give that doxycycline to children because old formulations caused 
tooth. permanent tooth staining. Right. Um, but that's not the case with the newer formulations anymore. So you want to make sure that if, if it's your child, that you go ahead and ask for that doxy. What the hell was in the old doxycycline that caused people's teeth to be brown? I, we had no a, idea. one of my classmates in medical school had that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But the new stuff doesn't do it. New stuff See, doesn't do it. I don't do that anymore. I haven't done it in a long time. So and I practice my specialty, so I, I haven't dealt with kids' illnesses. So that's good to know. With Lyme, it's not as important as, as like with Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Yes. One, one day um, difference in, in delaying that doxycycline can put a kid in, in the hospital. Wow. That's a shit disease. It is. My uh, brother had it when he was a kid. Did he? Yeah. Living right down, right down the street here. Really? Yep. Huh. How did they, were they, they did diagnose it clinically? Mm-hmm. They had to. They didn't have a test for it then. No, yeah. In, clinically, we we, uh, we were running. There, there's some big um, pastures up here. And uh, we used to play up in that pasture. And, um, yeah, he just got really sick one day. And it's like, oh, God. And uh, he had Rocky Mountain spotted fever. He was sick as shit, too. Yeah, I bet. He's yeah. okay now, thankfully. Well, let's talk about the weirdest thing in the quote-unquote animal kingdom, the non-human kingdom, and that are prions. Which one of you is the expert on prions? Uh, she knows a lot about it, but I, I deal with it uh, on a nearly day-to-day basis what? because of chronic mm-hmm. wasting disease. So hmm. chronic wasting disease is a prion illness? Yes, uh, it is specific to the deer family, the yeah. cervids. Um, not all of well, all not all of the deer species can get it, um, but most of them can. Certainly, all the ones that are native to North America, white-tailed deer, elk, mule deer, even moose can get it. Uh, caribou can get it. Um, Is it transmissible to humans? Yeah, so we don't think so, but we don't know so. Yeah, that's the thing about it. It's similar enough to mad cow disease. Yeah, uh, which was the bovine spongiform encephalopathy, right? Uh, that I'll came from these. Give yourself a bill. <laughs> that uh, came from <laughs> feeding cows to cows. So mm-hmm. cannibalism causes prion diseases like yes. kuru in humans. Yeah, so. kuru uh, is a, a prion disease from eating human brains. Yes. And I met the guy that did the research in was it Borneo Papa, or Papua, Papua New Guinea? Guinea. Yeah, Papua New Guinea. That's right. And uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but uh, I had lunch with him uh, in medical school. It was fascinating, you know, his wow. research that he did. And he, he was one of the guys that figured out, hey, quit eating brains and you <laughs> won't get this. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the crazy thing is they weren't doing that. It wasn't like a long-term cultural thing. Yeah. It, it happened when, in the uh, I think, only 50 years prior when the first Europeans were, were coming over and meeting indigenous tribes in Papua New Guinea and convinced them that they would retain the knowledge of their elders if they what? ate the brains. Yeah, mm. Some Europeans told them that yeah. shit? Well, they gave the brains to the women and children. Well, Yeah, it was and consuming the whole bodies, and, and they, they gave the, the crappy bits organs. Yeah. to the... Oh, God. So the women and children ended up with it more than, than the men did. Oh, my God. That's horrendous. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about prions. Prions are weird. They, they are may, weird. They may be a precursor to... Um, the life as we know it. There may be some of the oldest forms of something that can reproduce or cause other things to reproduce without being a virus, a bacteria, or a a eukaryote. And um, 
it's the, the way that Johns Hopkins is describing it is that they're proteins that can trigger normal proteins to fold abnormally. But my understanding is that these stupid things, if they don't act like a catalyst, they can actually um, reproduce themselves. I don't know how much of that is true. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but I know the the triggering the folding of the similar prion proteins, yeah. the normal prion proteins that are occurring in the body. And uh, it's with with this disease in deer, it is 100% fatal, but it's slow. It takes from the time they contract it and are exposed to it, it takes about 18 months before they really become sick and die yeah. from it. And so they slowly waste away towards the tail end of that. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's slowly creeping across the U.S. It kind of spreads fairly slow on its own, but through inadvertent moving of live deer through, through the captive deer industry, uh, it's gotten uh, moved around the state. Sure. There could have been some carcass transport stuff. We know it can remain infective in the soil for years. Oh, geez. God, yeah. yeah, these things, you can't kill them. Yeah, it's, they're really hard to they're kill. They're heat-stable, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's crazy. Because like, you can cook stuff and still get it. Right. So we have an incinerator that, that we do, but our incinerator doesn't get hot enough to totally denature it. So we have to make sure we properly get dispose the of the ashes uh, just in case. Now, we don't. We haven't detected it in my state, but uh, where we're sitting now in Tennessee, yeah, it does have it in western Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we're keeping an eye on it. It's, it's not. It takes a long time, and I'm talking decades before it really starts negatively impacting deer populations. Yeah. But just that concern that it could make a jump to humans. So the uh, prion itself is not produced. It's not like a virus, so that it doesn't inculcate itself in the cell and then reproduce itself. And it also doesn't sound like it reproduces either i thought that it made more proteins fold like itself but maybe it doesn't it's just an indestructible toxin that acts like a catalyst then no it makes other proteins it makes like itself yeah so it it just has to touch up against them yeah that's what it is and and you know with that contact you know we have normal prion proteins in our brain right Mm -hmm. this is the abnormal protein that abnormal protein touches up against another one and it turns it it into something like itself it creates yep and creates these these giant complexes and then holes in your brain and so this is a relatively new disease this disease uh occurred in the 1960s in colorado and it came out of a captive deer research facility. Hmm. At, uh, so, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we um, go again. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I don't know all the details, but I know that they were doing scrapey research in yes. sheep. Right, scrapey. At the same facility. Mm-hmm. Scrapey being a sheep prion, prion disease. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know... Whether you're a conspiracy theorist or not, my I am. personal no, I'm not. my personal guess is that it very likely was a species jump from scrapey out of sheep and into mule deer. Hmm. And uh, but oh my god! Weirdly, reindeer in Norway have come down with this, and we know that there's not been live deer being moved from America over to Norway. But there's also a history of scrapey in sheep there, and I, and my personal belief is that it also made a species jump in that overlap between not cat. We're talking herded mule, uh, herded reindeer mm-hmm. that are and probably interspersed with sheep in, in that situation. Yeah, and they're so. being maybe fed ground up things from. 
Yeah, that's a possibility, too. I mean, we know cannibalism causes it. And I don't know about other countries here in the U.S. That's why they banned, Mm -hmm. you know, feeding bone meal to that same animal. So now cows can get chicken bone meal, but (laughs) not cow bone meal. But other countries, they may be able to still still do that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. God. But it's uh, it's you don't want it. I mean, you know, it's uh, the, if any of the prion diseases, you know, there's spontaneous Kretzfeld Jakob in right. humans. And uh, there's the craziest one I've ever heard of is the fatal familial insomnia. <laughs> the, it's like the and, worst and, way to die. Yeah, oh. this one family. I don't think that Italy, is the worst way to die. It, for me. Yeah, I've they, had insomnia, and it's it's oh insomnia, so it's fatal familial and oh. insomnia. Yeah, this it only infects this one lineage of family. It's genetic, genetic. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, so. Um, what it does is it affects the hippocampus, I think, in their brain. You might have to mm. check me on that. I was that, just but... thinking the same thing. Mm. <laughs> but it uh, it disrupts their ability to, to sleep. And so they start going longer and longer and longer without sleep until their body eventually just shuts down. No from, drugs from will make them of... sleep? No, Mm-mm. nothing. What about Michael Jackson's magic milk? I, I, it's it's oh, still milk. It, uh, it still doesn't work, I guess. They go I, the insane. Propofol wow. or whatever that yeah, is. Propofol. Yeah, propofol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, it's crazy. Um, wow, and this is this is caused. I've already forgot what the hell we were talking about. You just blew my mind. We were talking about chronic wasting disease. Oh but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. This but is prions fatal, are crazy. Fatal familial insomnia. And it's just this one family. Oh, it's just in, the one family. In okay, Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, if yeah. It's them, not transmissible. If you eat their brains, I wonder if you could get it. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's going to do that? <laughs> Double blind, placebo controlled studies. <laughs> wow, it may initially be mild, progressively worsens, leading to significant physical and mental deterioration. Affected individuals may develop dysfunction of autonomic nervous system. Yeah, and that's you know involuntary stuff. Uh, body temperature regulation, sweating, breathing. Whoa! Don't know what that was. Uh, holy moly! Yep, caused by an abnormal variant of the PRNP gene. Holy crap! Oh, that's horrible. Now that I've never heard of that. So I'm gonna. You guys are going to get a $25 gift card so we can buy your uh, dinner tonight as long as you eat it fast food on the way home. There you go, <laughs> Lindsay. And then I've got two weird medicine mugs for you downstairs, too. Don't let me forget to give those Just to you. Just don't need a cheeseburger there. Dude. Yeah, no no <laughs> cheeseburgers for Charlie. <laughs> uh, oh. I'll just pop a Zyrtec and I'm good. Okay, okay. Wow. Wow, that's wild. And then they're thinking frontotemporal dementia may be uh, somehow related to this. That's crazy. To what? To this prion disease that they're wow. talking about. This um, f- fatal familial insomnia. Plus, that is horrible. That's the worst thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, there's a great book that Lindsay and I both read called The Family That Couldn't Sleep. Yeah. And it covers all the prion diseases and, wow. and, uh, okay. and both animals and humans. Well, that would be a good one. Yeah, it's a great read. I, if for mental illness, my favorite book is The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. So check that one out. That's a good one. So that, both of those sound like good reads. Well, listen, uh, we had prepared all this stuff because I told Scott, um, you know, maybe they'll be boring. And uh, so we have to have all this other stuff to keep it. But this was awesome. I went by so fast. We have to have you back. 
Yeah, we'd, we'd love, love to come, come back. back. Yeah, anytime. You're yeah, you welcome guys, anytime. That was a lot of stuff we don't ever, ever talk about. No. Pretty fabulous stuff. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Don't, don't bring it with you. Yeah. No. Yeah, we need to watch. We need to hose these two off before they come in the door. Really? I, yeah. I, I did bring you alligator. some deer meat, Dr. Steve. <laughs> After you tell me about prion disease, I don't think so. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, though. They're clean, clean okay. deer, clean yeah, Georgia deer. Uh-huh. Well, th- hey, well, thanks for coming. You guys are awesome. Uh, Charlie and Lindsay Killmaster, two real scientists in here, making us uh, both look kind of dumb in comparison to these brilliant geniuses. So mm-hmm. thank you for being here. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft. That Gould Girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Horror Lindsay, the Saratoga Skank, and the Florida Floozy, all our listeners to this show. Uh, Roland Campos, sister of Chris Sam Roberts, she who owns pigs and snakes. This stupid list has just got longer and longer. And this is what happens with 17 years of doing this. Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf. And if I don't do it, people are like, well, where's my shout out? Uh, Christopher Watkins, Double, a.k.a. Steve Tucci, the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Cardiff Electric, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Carl's Deviated Septum, the inimitable Vincent Paulino, Eric Zaitunian, a.k.a. Eric Zane, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and of course our dear departed friend, Fez Watley, who will never be forgetted. All of these who supported this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Shut up, uh, Echo or whatever your name is. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts, other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you all.